Disruptors, a series dedicated to individuals, well, disruptors really, that are closing disparities, changing the very fabric of our nation, or just making dreams come true all from ATL. This series will cover the advocates, unsung heroes, leaders, and more in many shows that are released every month. This summer, we're featuring the Firestarter, the Changemaker, the Dreamcatcher, and more. I'm India Hayes, the founder and CEO of Mini City, a social impact tech startup that connects the homeless and homeless care providers to life-critical benefits. But this series isn't about me, it's about my fellow disruptors. So this episode, we're sitting down with Melissa Brogdon of, of many things. She balances so many inspiring roles, positions, and endeavors. She is truly our balancer for more reasons than one. So welcome, Melissa. So happy to have you here. Thank you. I've never had the talent, uh, the sorry, the title balancer <laughs> behind my name. So I'm going to take that as aspirational. I'm taking that into, you know, every <laughs> every walk that I go on now um, of trying to figure out how to really find the balance between um, all of the things that I'm passionate about and then all of the things that I'm feeling called called toward. Absolutely. Right before we started, you know, recording, Melissa and I were talking about all the things that she does and that importance of balance. And I feel like you do a lot of things, you right? Um, and I would just love for you to tell our listeners more about your background, what you do, um, the phenomenal startup that you have founded. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, one of the things that I've been thinking about on my entrepreneurial journey is sort of how, how I've come to be. Um, it's, it's certainly a journey in self-identity and discovery. Um, and so I say my entrepreneurial journey starts as a child. Um, I was raised by my great-grandmother in Oakland, California, who was a serial entrepreneur. And so I worked in and with her businesses. And um, my first business was styling hair for my friends in middle school <laughs> for picture day. And from there, um, as an adult, I always sort of had a vision for having um, my own business and sort of my own enterprises. And um, as I built my career in nonprofit, I started to see a real need for um, some tactical support that small shops just didn't have the capacity to get all the work done. And so um, Campbell Impact was that first entry into um, entrepreneurship in the nonprofit space, providing coaching and grant writing, which was has been a really great journey um, that I've been on since uh, 2018. Um, I also partner with a wonderful organization called Purpose Possible, where I get to work with really the best of um, our city in terms of nonprofit leaders who are also um, invested in providing that tactical support to other um, small nonprofits who are struggling to make their missions possible. Um, so we um, get to do that. I get to collaborate with those consultants and help them to be successful. And then on the other side um, is I work in a family business. Um, I've been working with my husband now for seven years um, in the Brogdon firm, which is our family-owned law firm. Um, and as a part of that, um, I have been able to really see some of the real challenges that they're are for um, the legal field in particular to be able to do their work well and do it in a way that is modern and responsive to um, their aging um, demographic um, going into the legal space. So in my role as a firm administrator, um, I've really been able to collaborate with Gino and 
um, identify the problem that I wanted to help him solve um, and solve together, um, which is fourth party. So fourth party is um, practice management uh, software for negotiators. Um, they are still using pen and paper and Google Docs and Excel, which are, you know, as we know, antiquated tools now. Um, and so fourth party really removes the need for them to be jumping around through all of those things and not sort of being able to have um, their practice managed in a private and secure way. Um, and so we've been building that since 2019. I'm super excited that we finally have our MVP. We're going into beta testing. It's just a really, really exciting time for me, for our family, and to be on this journey as co-founders, married co-founders, which is a, a whole other thing to be balancing. So <laughs> that is that is amazing. Actually, um, Mini City, one of my co-founders, um, is is actually my husband, Saurav. So awesome. I know. <laughs> Okay, so we have yeah. all, there's a new episode that has to happen now. <laughs> right, right. But every time I meet a founder that works with a family member, a brother, a father, sister, whatnot, um, I think it's really unique because it brings a different dynamic, right? Mm -hmm. You talk so much about um, work-life balance and uh, learning the different work style of your peers mm -hmm. and your fellow co-founders and whatnot. And people always joke about how selecting the perfect co-founder is like finding the most ideal match because they're your partner mm -hmm. so many mm -hmm. ways. Mm -hmm. And then for founders that are actually working with family and partners, you're like, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> you will find out, is this relationship what I thought? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it um, definitely And it shows brings, you it's even yeah. more, so for sure. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a, a blessing in many ways. People talk about how difficult it is, but it does help because you know the many ways that your partner and your co-founder communicates and works well and um, what type of strengths and weaknesses they have uh -huh, and how to uh -huh. balance that. So mm -hmm. it definitely brings a, a different, I guess, flavor to the, the startup company. But I love that you work with your husband. Um, and for our listeners, you know, I know you work in the legal space, but they might be brand new to this. Can you just explain um, more about why you started this endeavor? Yeah. You know, why arbitration is so important and having diverse arbitrators and whatnot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So initially, you know, I was problem solving. I'm a, I'm a ops person. I want to understand the process and make it as streamlined as possible so that it's repeatable and that we can avoid um, mistakes and uh, time wasting. And so um, fourth party was really a concept to help Gino be more efficient in his practice. Um, and as we saw the tool work and his business accelerate, you know, it was really exciting to see him as one of the youngest black male uh, mediator and arbitrator in the state being very successful. Um, but as I asked him, you know, who are your peers? Um, they really are 90% white male and over the age of 60. Um, and so my background in education and research made me really curious about why that's a, a reality beyond all of the other systemic things that we know are already operating in, in all of our systems um, here in the U.S. But um, there is quite a bit of research around um, why it is difficult for diverse practitioners of mediation or, and or, or arbitration or alternative dispute resolution overall as an industry to persist in the field. Um, and what is unique to this kind of sub area of the law 
um, is that there's a ton of information gatekeeping. This is the role that ex-judges play or people who have, you know, been working in their career for 40 years. And so that means that if you if that's not your network, right, how do you get introduced to this, this career path that actually impacts the outcomes of over 80% of every single legal case that happens in the U.S.? So we think of it as like, oh, I'm going to go to court and I'm going to get this settlement. Well, in reality, there's someone, uh, a mediator, an arbitrator, or a neutral of some kind, dictating, influencing, supporting the outcome of your your settlement or case, and it was specifically in the civil space. And so there's been a lot of attention on this lately. Um, Jay-Z recently, um, his legal team um, successfully argued that he was not adequately re- able to access adequate representation when he was um, in the middle of a dispute um, because of the the limited diversity that you find on a panel for arbitrators. So understanding that everyone brings bias to all of the work that we do um, and understanding how that bias plays out in criminal proceedings, certainly we can assume that there are some of the same implications happening in the civil space. And so for me, fourth party is, you know, a great CRM and a great database, right? But it really is about equipping people, hopefully more diverse entrants into the field of mediation and arbitration with the tools they need to be successful. Um, Let's pull back the curtain. These are the tasks that you need to be completing to be able to build your practice. This is how you build time. This is how you uh, record the details of your mediation so that they have the opportunity to be successful and that we can sort of stop this cycle of, well, this is how it's always been. Absolutely. And it's so funny because you see these different dynamics being mirrored, whether it's in the legal space or in the tech world. Mm -hmm. You know, as a black female founder, oftentimes we talk about uh, not having access to certain spaces or the keys to spaces or the connections. Mm -hmm. And many Mm -hmm. times and across the board in our nation, these dynamics are repeated, uh, whether you work within tech, whether you're in design, whether you're in engineering or even um, in legal matters. That's a very interesting concept and probably something we underestimate the fact that you're thinking I'm getting unbiased Mm -hmm. just very direct uh, uh, you know support and assistance and something that's very critical and serious to my business or my life every (laughs) person who has signed a contract Mm -hmm. is probably being touched by arbitration (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. and it's funny because you talked about fourth party being this really great CRM It, it creates a way for you to capture and organize different things and be really on top of stuff but I really feel like um, text tools can really become bigger than just the functionality, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. When you have the right team behind it or the right vision, like you and your husband, it really can be a closer disparities or an evening kind of, that's where we got the, the balancer. Yes, it's not just about I balancing love it. roles. Okay, right? okay. So <laughs> I'm know? receiving balancer yeah. right now. Okay, <laughs> <Yeah>. that's awesome. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I think of that a lot, right? We, we sometimes you get so um, caught up in creating the, the tech of things and whatnot, or like I'm gonna streamline stuff. For many city, we're like, all right, we're just gonna streamline the process to get ID. But mm-hmm. when you look at the bigger picture, you're doing something so much more. And especially when you have, you know, um, a founder that is a founder of color or that either relates to or this is deeply affecting their community. I was shocked. So I read up on, you know, um, there was this article that really stood out to me. I know you brought this up mm-hmm, before, mm-hmm. but uh, it said, 
Jay-Z has 99 problems and the lack of diversity is one. And I was yeah. like, what? <laughs> <laughs> right. Wait. Because surely the person with a billion dollars right. is not facing this, right? Yeah. 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 It's wild. It's wild. Um, and so I think this this happens, um, you know, within in the investment space and, and whatnot within the tech space. But, you know, I, I wouldn't say investors are just now investing in black founders or you know, we're just now seeing an uptick in diversity, but it's been so dire, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping this focus on making spaces more even, more level, more fair, will not just trend for now yeah, during yeah. this time, but be something that's lasting. I think um, through platforms like like yours, there's a legacy of having, you know, equally balanced playing fields, um, tech resources and tools mm -hmm. for years to come, not just for a moment. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. It makes me, I mean, it honestly makes me think about you know, the fact that we are uniquely positioned as founders of color and black founders in particular, um, because, you know, our family cultures are often set up to be collaborative. You know, mm -hmm. grandma takes care of us. We, you know, everybody on the block can support us. And so has permission to give us a whooping. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. um, but um, in that, in translating that to, you know, the founder space, um, I think, I hear so often that other part of what makes um, or, or what is driving people to build their tool, that it is not just that utility, mm -hmm. that it is central to, to their mission and vision for the organization, that it brings somebody else along and mm -hmm. supports someone else. And so that's something that I think is unique within this community, but you're seeing it. I mean, everyone <laughs> that I am interacting with that is a founder of color, there's always that sort of angle of how can I bring somebody else along as a part of me doing this work? Abs absolutely. You talked about black women being the plug. Like, Girl. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I think about that all the time. So, of course, we um, we have Rejoice being featured, and but mm -hmm, really mm -hmm. anyone that I've worked with within this space, within Atlanta, or just overall in the Southeast growing up, many times there are those pillars of supports on a family, friend, and career level. Because mm -hmm. it's like, okay, I'm doing well. Oh, I figured out this hack or this mm -hmm. end. Mm -hmm. How can mm -hmm. I bring my fellow sister in and also uplift and amplify her? Um, and, you know, uh, it's really interesting looking at the stats for Atlanta. You know, we're, we're like Atlanta, the hustle. People call mm -hmm. it the black Mecca. Mm -hmm. You look at D.C. and New York. There's all these stats about black female founders and business owners really breaking the mold or, or their businesses um, growing. But what we don't talk about is many times that happens because there is a lack of leadership opportunities in the corporate space. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you and your husband, you're leading this phenomenal tech star, but y'all started that. And that yeah. happens a lot in the black community. It's mm -hmm. like when I want to get the experience, when I want to see my vision, we do have to feel a bit pushed to make that happen, right? Because there's not a lot of opportunities. Mm -hmm. But what would you tell, um, you know, Male or female, or however they identify. Mm -hmm. um, what would you tell a founder of color who's who's struggling to get it started or has a lot of things that they're balancing? Um, what advice would you give them to kind of stick it through? Yeah, well, I think that the fact that you have had the audacity to start um, is the evidence that you are able, capable, and have full capacity to design a life of your own making. Um, and so... As the trials come, <laughs> because they are coming and they are many, um, remember that evidence. Be accurate in your assessment of what your capacity is and, and what other um, signals you're getting um, about what is possible for you. Um, and then I also think that it's really important for us to test 
and test our theories, test our assumptions, test our endurance. Um, you know, there's all over the internet, everybody's saying, quit your nine to five and, you know, <laughs> yeah. start just start the business, girl. Like, yes, go get the LLC, mm-hmm. do that. Don't wait on that. The, you know, your job is not keeping you from that. But having um, the willingness to confront yourself, confront what other what what um, your weaknesses are as a worker, as an employee, as a manager, um, getting a lot of self awareness around that, and then testing that endurance, getting one client, seeing how it works. Um, I think that there's a lot of pressure. We already have enough pressure on ourselves, mm-hmm. and so you know, giving yourself the opportunity to uh, build in some safeguards for yourself so that um, failing forward feels more realistic. Um, I think it's it's a gift that we can give ourselves. Um, And yes, we need capital, we need funding, we need support, we need education. But if you are on this journey and you've decided that you wanna be an entrepreneur, build in some safeguards for yourself by testing, testing, you know, what you believe to be true and being honest with yourself when when it gets dark about your capacity to do this work, you're doing it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, I love that, um, giving that gift to yourself and giving back to yourself, investing within yourself, and not just capital or money, but time, resources, Mm -hmm. the ability to fail, to learn, to fall down and pick yourself back up, and also being really honest, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. I remember before Mini City starting another business, and it was killing me. I wanted to be like the solo <laughs> founder, and it was great. And we were doing all these events, but I felt like I turned into like a little miniature monster. And uh-huh. I had to be really honest yes. with myself: like you are a terror to be around. <laughs> and what are you doing? Is this even aligned with your values and missions? What's uh, are you being of service to anyone operating on such a, a low energy and um, you know level in terms of being on a positive mindset or just like resting mm-hmm. yes <laughs> as simple as that and you're right on Instagram everywhere we see we're flooded with messages one that really always freaks me out I saw one that's like if you didn't start a business or do x y and z in 2020 like you like you messed up or that was wrong I'm like who says that we were in a right. global right. pandemic yes. you did enough by surviving right exactly literally <laughs> like it's 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 ridiculous. Um, it, it is ridiculous. But America is definitely land of the unicorn. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's one, some of the great things about it. It's like the underdog, the only one. But there's so much focus on the individual, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you get lost or disconnected from the community aspect or even like the empathy mm-hmm. and the grace to extend to others. And it always starts with self. The first person you can extend some grace to is yourself and some leeway a bit. But I do think that's very like true in the U.S. to be like, I want to be the only one. You just keep mm-hmm. grinding, grinding, grinding. But sometimes it's okay to stop and say, hey, um, do I have balance? Do I have peace? Am I able to like function and whatnot? But, you know, it's always great to get started. Yeah. But I love yeah. the, the small steps you mm-hmm. talked about. Mm-hmm. And asking for help. I mean, the thing that, that you're saying about like, you know, being a solo, um, there is probably somebody with a little bit of concept around whatever you're, you're thinking of. I mean, maybe you are the first. Maybe you're the first, and I give you all the credit on that. Um, But they're likely, for all the rest of us, there's likely someone else who's been on this journey, been there before. Um, And it takes a lot of courage to be able to say, hey, I need some help. I don't want to do an investigational interview. What's really, what is this really like? Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, opening our mouths for that support and and, um, 
inviting people to invest in us um, is something that I am personally on a journey, <laughs> a self-discovery journey around um, because a lot of my anxiety around not being good enough or not getting it done or whatever is because I'm not inviting people in to be supportive or I have not had a habit of that. Um, and so that's something that I'm shedding and I'm seeing a lot of folks who I want to be, want to see as my aspirational peers they have shed that so that they can get to that next level so they can go from good to great absolutely absolutely um and then in, in, in just thinking about the going from the good to the great mm -hmm. could you um tell our listeners maybe some of the biggest challenges and also successes that you've had um it sounds like from 2018 to or even before then just along your journey yeah yeah absolutely so i am uh, a graduate of Spelman College here in Atlanta, um, and I hold it as one of my greatest blessings, absolutely, yes. um, from the network, but also the experience of being a student there and then coming back and working there for four years. So I, in my mind, I got eight years of Spelman, um, <laughs> and I'm very, very grateful for that. But um, what's unique about that experience is that I have learned to trust black women um, in a way that maybe wasn't modeled for me as a child, um, but that they are going to show up for me, want me to be successful, want me to you know be happy and um, and want to be along for that journey. And so um, you know, we, I said the thing about black women are the plug. Like every step of my career um, has been touched by a black woman, whether it was someone who was working in an office and you know as the administrative assistant but encouraging me every day someone who's older than me a black woman who's older than me and i come in and i'm the director who who was just kind and welcoming to someone who like jewel burke solomon who gives you the opportunity to you know be a part of google for startups i know there's a whole system around that but like she is the lead and the vision to say, no, when I get into a leadership role, I'm going to open the door specifically for black people mm -hmm. and black women. And so um, that intentionality that um, I have been the beneficiary of um, is absolutely what drives me to continue to keep going because I see, you know, on the other side of this, I hope I'm a, you know, I've, I've found a bunch of things, right? But ultimately, I want to be opening that door too. Um, and so that's what's driving me in that direction. but. So that's the good. <laughs> There's also, you know, the reality that, and particularly, I'm sure that you may have had some of these experiences working with, you know, as a married co-founder. Look, I'm, I'm co-founder and head of product at Fourth Party. But sometimes when I go into meetings, people see me as Gino's wife. Um, and that, you know, it's a blow to your ego, but it's also um, an opportunity for me to, you know, build up some armor and get confident around um, how to make room for myself um, because the reality is that even he can't make that room for me mm -hmm. because that isn't really, uh, doesn't really get to the goal of, you know, me making, making that space and sort of standing, you know, on my own. Um, and I've certainly had experiences where, you know, I say this is what needs to be done, the deadline passes, and then I've got to bring him in <laughs> to the email yeah. to get the mm -hmm. thing done, right? And it's like, whoa, is this really, <laughs> is this 2021? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. um, and so, and, and those have been few and far between, but I know they're still coming. Um, mm -hmm. And beca because of my experiences working, working as a woman, 
um, these are the realities of that. And so I've had to, you know, do my own work. I, I tend to be very introspective and say, okay, well, what can I bring to make this make this work better? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to feel small in this space. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, then I got to get confident. <laughs> yeah. How can I build my confidence? I got to go to therapy. You know, mm-hmm. I got to get an executive coach. Um, I've got to mm-hmm. invest in myself so that when this moment happens, because it's coming, Again, people bring their biases to the space. They don't even realize they're acting them out on innocent people Mm -hmm. Um, often. um, I always say this. Most people don't have the audacity to be rude to you, like, with the intention of wounding you. Most people are not. They're just (laughs) acting out some bias that they, some unconscious bias, right? And so... I've got to be nimble and able to respond to that really quickly and be able to navigate that um, so that I cannot bring that smallness into anything else that I'm, you know, trying to navigate as I balance um, and, and try to to go um, build on this journey. So um, I think that's I think that's that that's the deal. Um, but um, yeah, I um, I know that there are, are more challenges coming, and I found that. Really, it's around me getting real clear about what my voice is, what my value is, um, and not allowing other people's notions about themselves um, and about the world that may or may not be true um, impact how I move. Absolutely. Yes. I I think so many black female founders or just black women, period, can probably relate to everything you just said. Um, those are definitely words of wisdom. And it is so true that as black female founders, we exist in spaces that are, are of comfort, that do amplify us, that do empower us, that inspire us because the women or the community members in that space trust you. You mm-hmm. said trust black women. That's really key. And then all of a sudden, uh, as a tech founder or working in certain um, environments, I'm sure in the legal realm and whatnot, you're in a space where it's the opposite. And mm-hmm. I don't mean it's mm-hmm. the, like you said, it is not intentional. So many of our peers and individuals we work with have these um, biases and they don't, you know, you're right. Most human beings are not trying to intentionally just rip you apart. We are all working and striving to be successful and to elevate the work we do. But one thing I learned is that, you know, you definitely can't change others, right? Mm-hmm. It can be kind of like a, a upward battle. Um, I find with myself when those moments would happen, I remember being mistaken. So when Mini City first, first started, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I had a uh, white male co-founder who's a great friend, has a huge heart. Um, I love him. He's phenomenal. He stepped away just for other reasons to focus on his mm-hmm. family. Great father, great guy. But we would go on space and people would go straight to him. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, mm-hmm. and this is mm-hmm. your intern? And like, <laughs> oh, we would talk about it because we we're also friends. <laughs> I know. We're oh. friends. And he would he would try to brush it off. And then he started getting irritating. He'd be like, no, ask her. She's the one in charge. He'd yeah. try to be supportive. Yeah. And then sometimes he actually would just literally have to physically, this is before the pandemic, remove himself from a space so people weren't always, but still there would be that natural thing of people relating or only seeking him out that yeah. were high leadership. And so what I found was I would get really defensive, really pissed off act out you write that no one wants to feel small mm-hmm. I, that, mm-hmm. I relate to that a lot I say that a lot I, you know this makes me feel small or not important mm-hmm. but you have to understand that you can't change others but you can change your response or your perspective mm-hmm. that I'm not I wasn't there for this person's whole life experience or the way the reason for why they relate to you know black women in this certain way and, and that's not mm-hmm. my job to find that out I can just change my response you're right it takes the therapy the executive coaching and yeah. also the the um, mentors to really build yourself up. But 
Yeah, well, I think what you said about your co-founder being an ally um, and then thinking about, you know, what I just said about, you know, it's not Gino's role to make that room for me. Um, It isn't his, it it isn't our allies' role to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is their opportunity and their right um, to stand up for what they believe is appropriate, um, to be courageous and honest in the face of (laughs) dysfunction and chaos, um, or even just microaggressions. Um, And I love how he sort of made that room, physically moving himself out of the space, physically denying his his own agency to be able to make that room, Um, but then also confronting and saying like, and and I, I'm not going to quote the person properly who said this, but positioning the inquiry as a question. Did you mean it that did you mean to do that that way? Right. Like I think that's a great way for allies to build up some courage around challenging um, what they see to not be correct and appropriate. Yeah. Ask the question. I, I I think yes. Yes to that. And um so we're we're calling in from the the Lola Studio, the space. It's a um, all women uh, space where they can work from. I love it. It's beautiful. It it's feels coming. so good in oh here. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> everything is beautiful. Everything's intentional. But everything's one thing, velvet. I know everything's velvet. <laughs> I have cats, so like I want my life to have velvet, but I can't have it. So I'm like, I gotta go to the Lola to experience it. But um, one thing that they do when you join as a member, so they had an initiative to bring in black female founders and welcome us into the space. But something I love, I don't know why I always think about this. They were like, we know it's exhausting, right? <laughs> and it is not your job as a founder of color to have to always answer, explain, mm-hmm. educate. Mm-hmm. That can get exhausting. Mm-hmm. It's like today I just want to be a founder mm-hmm. and a wife. I don't want to also have an educational mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. Like it's tiring, right? And so a commitment they have is to, when there are those tense moments, to be an appropriate ally. And they're like, you can let us know what happened. If there was something that really felt like you had to put, you were put out of yourself or it was um, offensive, we will handle it. We will do that so you don't have to have the extra burden, which a lot of times black women mm-hmm. absorb, mm-hmm. Um, of explaining or educating. Because I don't know if you've ever felt that. Or mediating. Yeah. Arbitrating your <laughs> own. I know. Yeah, I, know. Like, <laughs> I know. Um. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can only imagine working within the legal space yeah. and already having to do mediation. And you're like, and now I have to mediate in this other space. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, a lot. But um, and you also have um a social media account, right? And another yeah. a space yeah. where you kind of recount different things. I think that's so wonderful. Yeah. So handled by Cam is my maiden name is Campbell. So it's a, a nod to Oakland. It's a nod to my dad. It's it's a nod to every bit of my origin story being a part of making me who I am today. And um sort of honoring that and making room for that. Um, It's in transition because when I first started it, I was full in the culture of busyness. Um, And so I was telling people, you know, quit your nine to five, girl. You you need seven streams of income and the whole thing, right? Um, And I'm currently on a sort of mini sabbatical um, kind of thing that I'm, I I needed to do um, for the month of July. And it has really opened up some room for me to think about another reality for myself. Um, and so Handle by Cam is, a par- is that journey. Um, I'm calling it uh, entrepreneurial uh, 
therapy from a self-care novice, right? So I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm posting <laughs> things that sound like what we're supposed to be doing, y'all, um, and come along um, for that journey. So I'm excited about how I can use it, um, one, to amplify the work that I'm doing, amplify black nonprofits, amplify the work um, of my colleagues um, of all you know colors um, who are who are invested in making Atlanta a better city and in mission driven organizations that make it run. Um, and then also talking about really honestly about the truth of what it looks like to be an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, a black woman, um, a small business owner, an Airbnb host, a, you know, um, all the things. Um, and it's been really fun. It's an, it's an interesting thing. I don't really consider myself an influencer. I think of it as like a personal blog. It's just, I'm going to share. These are the things that I'm, I am specifically sharing with you all. I hope you get something from it. Um, and, you know, I, I'll try not to sell too many things. <laughs> no, no I, I get it. I mean, how many of us have, like, I know I spend so much time Googling and search. Like, if I'm feeling a lot, this is funny. It's like, I have, you have a therapist in you, but I will literally take something I'm feeling and literally write that in the Google search bar. So yeah, even <laughs> Like, you know, um, I don't I don't know. There's like a million of them, right? I don't want to embarrass myself. But what I mean is there are probably tons of um, female founders that are, are, even if you're not an expert, you feel like a novice, we're always seeking out that um, voice that can kind of even validate what we're just feeling. I think it's wonderful. Um, and even to make an attempt to make space for, for self-care. You said something so cute. You said you're in the business of busyness. We can all relate to that. And it makes you feel so cool, right? You're like, look at me doing all the things. I haven't slept in two days. Uh-huh. It's like, what are you doing? But you feel so crazy. And like, yeah, on top of it, I don't know why. Maybe it's because you haven't like had water or had a nap. <laughs> but um, It is learned. It yeah, is it's learned. learned. It's been modeled right? for us. Um, it's been modeled for us. And I'm super excited just for like this gen- our generation, but even those you know the younger folks uh, look i'm 35 but the the 20 year olds they are like y'all not gonna work me to death y'all aren't gonna do this to me. and it's beautiful um and they're still capable and doing great things and disrupting and you know solving problems but they ha- are requiring something different and i'm just super excited i'm like riding their coattails like yes rest rest <laughs> i very much love it yeah but it's so interesting how past generations are influenced i think our like millennials definitely came from like maybe parents that were super planners and like yeah you're on this track and so that busy that business of busyness was kind of learned but it's really great I feel like that so many people from our age range will look at younger siblings or little cousins and actually be inspired not judgmental of the fact that they're like no I want something that is my calling my mm-hmm, purpose mm-hmm. I need my work day to end at four I'm like yeah Instead of being really judgy of them, we're like, that is so great. Let me go get my little notepad out. Yes, let me learn. Teach them your ways, children. The children will lead. (laughs) I'm very much impressed by it. And that's something I'm always trying to, you know, emulate or take notes in because it is working in social impact in tech. Social impact in, you mm-hmm. know, this working mm-hmm. in a nonprofit world, sometimes it's an environment of scarcity and you do mm-hmm. feel penalized for self-care. Mm-hmm. You feel like you can't take a break. It's like, I'll take a vacation. It's like, why do I feel guilty posting about this? It's all, we're accumulation of all these different things we do and a part of us being able to do is being able to rest and mm-hmm. reflect. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually a luxury, it feels like sometimes, right? And, Absolutely. And it's okay to make space for it. We don't have to like feel like we're, we're, we're not uh, working enough or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, all of our worth isn't always tied to just doing all the things. But yeah, yeah. in my next life, I'm gonna 
launch a research study, which I'm sure someone has already looked into this, but why black women in particular are so drawn to the nonprofit space and why it is that we persist under such uh, sort of traumatic work conditions. Um, There's an answer. I don't know. I know someone has done this work. (laughs) And so I'm not positing that that's a new concept, but I'm going to put a little pin in that to really look at what that's about because um, there's something there. Mm-hmm. We we disproportionately represent the staffing of these organizations um, and we are constantly functioning under a scarcity mentality that integrates into our lifestyles, into our relationships, um, and there is something correlated there that's, that, sh- that should be uh, investigated, research minds. <laughs> no, I, Y'all look I into that. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm a, when you, when you write that thesis or the, mm-hmm. do that white paper, I will, mm-hmm. I will read it. I feel like it's very real and true. This is a concept of course, of the strong black woman, the enduring black woman. Um, we think of black women, you know, um, not living as long or working ourselves mm-hmm. to death and mm-hmm. caring for so many, but also it's generational and it's very, um, community center, right? Yeah. Grandmothers caring for grandchildren. It's love, it's love too. So it's on love. one hand, it's 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 something that is very relatable and endearing, and it's what we were taught, what we saw from our aunties and our mama. Um, I feel like there's so many, especially in the South, so many black mamas who took their moms in when they got a certain age mm-hmm, and just mm-hmm, sticking with them. Mm-hmm. And it's a thing, right? It's just known. It's just what you do. But on the flip side, the dark side of that is I, I – Girl, I, I feel you. Most of the <laughs> staff that we work with are women of color, right? And I have to be completely honest. I think that also helps a ton in many city being adopted so rapidly during the pandemic. Yeah. Right? There were, one, I think is one thing, the homeless are majority comprised of people of color, mm-hmm. um, you know, black youth, black families, and whatnot. So I can see why black women see a calling to step into that space. But I have to be honest, a lot of our success is because the groups we're meeting with, they see, we hear it all the time, you remind me of XYZ person, uh-huh, I'm so proud of uh-huh. you. It starts to go beyond just business, but also a certain relatability, which also a certain amount of trust. I yeah. trust you to do it. There's no questioning and whatnot. So, but I do get I do get concerned. Of course, um, working with these teams, working within the space, um, I do wonder if there are moments of being able to care for oneself. I remember one team... Um, they weren't using our product as rapidly or as often. And I remember asking what's going on. They were like, our staff is, is dealing with a lot of mental burden. Mm-hmm. Right? I didn't anticipate that. I was thinking they didn't know how to, maybe the new yeah. update <laughs> hung them up, but it was a mental burden. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's always a human side to it, right? Yeah, I think it's really cool, though, that in your work with Mini City, that um, black women are able to open a door for you black women who um, often are disempowered in their work um, in uh, organizations led by white or other um, people, um, and, and not intrinsically because they are led by, by that, but because of the systems that support that um, power differential. Um, it is really cool that you are getting to experience you know, returning some of that power to them and then then they can bring give that back to you as a part of like accelerating your your business. Like that that's just super cool. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, we're we we love it. We love all of the teams we work with and I have to say they are extremely reflective of Atlanta. They're very Uh diverse. Yeah. And that's always inspiring too, right? All the directors, um, head of housing, uh Mm -hmm. 
the whole entire teams that direct the street outreach teams, those are all black women. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I know there's a reason why, <laughs> uh, you know, trust in the mini city software that does play into it. Yeah. For sure. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I guess uh, I, I, again, don't want to focus on too much of mini cities about you, about the balancer, yeah, no, no, but no. this is, this is good. This is a great <laughs> conversation, but um, are there, are there any, I feel like you're doing so much while also, I admit trying to like pare it down. I respect that. But do you have anything you'd like to leave our listeners with in terms of any initiatives, launches, any features, events, or even just um, something you want to highlight from the summer? Yeah, yeah. So um, even though we said, you know, you didn't have to come out of the pandemic with a business, I did. And so (laughs) um, I'm really looking forward to the next journey of Fourth Party. So um, our Google for Startups um, journey is coming to an end. So Indy and I are are cohort members um, in uh, the second uh, Black Founders and uh, Latinx and um, veteran-led uh, cohort of, of Google for startups and um, it's been really incredible to be able to build my confidence um, in the tech space as a non-technical founder um, and so I'm really excited about how that is gonna you know propel us forward um, as we start partnering with uh, law schools and um, credentialing organizations and legal associations who are um, really being more aware of this diversity issue. Um, I hope that the media attention to this topic will drive more attorney, attorneys and, and folks who are, are legal adjacent um, to get certified as mediators and arbitrators. Um, and we are here to provide them with the tools for them to be able to really create a practice that is viable um and can really support the least of us um so if we just think about if jay-z is the the top of um sort of the disenfranchisement what is happening to those who are going into these kind of negotiations self-represented um we have to we have to think about their experience and what justice and equity looks like for them and so i hope that this tool is just a little small part of driving um, more opportunity for um, legal minds of color, but for people, poor people, disenfranchised people, um, vulnerable people to experience a little bit more of, of true justice. That is amazing. Thank you so much, Melissa, for sharing your time and your story and journey on justice, equity, leveling, you know, um, just the legal realm. I loved it. Um, I hope to hear from you again. Yes, I know yes, we will stay in yes. touch. I so hope so. <laughs> All that great stuff. <laughs> um, but it was, it was just great hearing from you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is my first podcast. I'm feeling so excited. We're at the Lola. This has been fantastic. <laughs> Thank you, India. I of really, course. really appreciate the opportunity. Of course, absolutely. Well, our soundtrack music is by Urban Nerd Beats. Please visit us at minicityatl.com and follow us on YouTube, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like what you heard, please give us a five-star review. And if you didn't, please go on about your day. (laughs) Please. (laughs) Please.